Matthew 26 records the final night of Jesus' life. In particular, his meal with the disciples as they celebrate Passover together. And we read in verses 26 through 29 where Jesus resignifies the meaning of two elements of that meal. And I want us to hear what he says this morning. Now as they were eating, Jesus took bread and after blessing it, broke it and gave it to the disciples and said, Take, eat. This is my body. And he took a cup. And when he had given thanks, he gave it to them, saying, Drink of it, all of you. For this is my blood of the covenant, which is poured out for many for the forgiveness of sins. I tell you, I will not drink again of this fruit of the vine until that day when I drink it new with you in my Father's kingdom. Thus says the Word of God. I think it was about 11, maybe even 12 years ago. A Sunday morning, my wife and I were both very surprised. You see, I've always been thankful for my wife in so many ways, but especially when I realized the pressure that she would have on Sunday mornings. In particularly whenever our children were young. I have three children and ever since we've had two services I leave the house very early which means mama has to get the children's ready to go. One Sunday morning we got here we went through the services and after the the last service we were getting ready to leave and she looked at me and she said where's Ellen? And I said, I was about to ask you the same thing. Where's Ellen? Ellen is our oldest child. Well, she looked at me and she said, I thought she rode with you this morning when you left. To which I replied, I thought she was riding with you when we left. When you left. To which our response was, ah, she's been home alone. We forgot one of our children at home. Now, there are worse places to forget your children, but nevertheless, it was very disconcerting to realize we got home and Ellen was okay. In fact, she was kind of cool about the whole thing. She said, once I realized you both had gone, I just went upstairs to my room and had my own devotion and prayer time. And I thought, good for you. But isn't it easy? Is it not easy in the pressures of life forget what is most important? Is it not easy in the demands that you face every day to forget the grace of God that Jennifer just sang about? Now it's not that those memories are, are gone completely. It's just that in the demands of life we press on as if the grace of God is not real. Well God in His mercy God in His wonderful mercy has given us something tangible, something very, very real, something that we can do to bring us back to His grace. And what I'm referring to 
is the sharing of communion. See, there were a lot of images and symbols that, that Jesus used throughout his ministry. At one point in the Gospel of John chapter 6, he's at the Feast of Tabernacle and there's a, a place where the priest brings out a goblet of water and he pours it out to represent the water coming from the rock in Exodus. Jesus sees that and he says, I am the water that gives life. He says, you take water. When you see water, remember I give life. At another point, Jesus mentions light. We're familiar with light. He says, I am the light of the world. When you see light, remember who Jesus is. He did the same thing with his shepherd. A common vocation of the time. And he says, I am the good shepherd. But the symbols we come to this morning, these very real symbols of this, this little small square piece of unleavened bread. And the juice that we will drink these symbols are unique they're unique because we participate in them we eat this this small square piece of bread we will drink this small cup but they're also unique because these symbols are rooted in history you see, to get the full meaning of what has happened here, we have to go back in time to, to the time when Israel was in bondage, in slavery in Egypt. We go back to the time when God sent Moses to give the message to Pharaoh, let God's people go. And Pharaoh, because of his hard heart, refused. And God then acted to show his great power and to leave no doubt that he was the only true God by sending ten plagues upon Egypt. The final plague was the worst. Death itself would descend upon the land. The firstborn of every family would die. But there was one means of grace, one means of escape. God told all of Israel and any who would believe that if they would take a lamb, an unblemished, spotless lamb, and kill it, and then take the blood and put over the doorpost, when death came through, it would pass over that house. It would pass over because one had died in the place of that firstborn. The pass over. Now on that night, every family of every clan of every tribe gathered around to eat a meal. And they all ate the same menu. And every part of that menu was specifically designed to represent something. For example, they would eat bitter herbs to remind them of the bitterness of slavery. And as a part of that meal, there was unleavened bread and wine. It is the Passover meal that the disciples are celebrating with Jesus. And Jesus takes these two elements, these two elements that are common, 
These two elements that one was an everyday part of life, of the necessary sustenance that was needed for everyday living, and the other known for its sweetness and the fact that it came out at special occasions for a celebration. And he takes these two things and he reapplies their meaning to him. You see, the Lord's Supper brings us back to the sustenance and the sweetness that is found in Jesus. It brings us back to the promises that He has made to us. The promises that can sustain us and the promises of God that are sweet to the taste if we would but slow down and savor them. You see, as we come to communion, the sustenance and sweetness of it is seen in God's promise of provision that He will provide exactly what we need at the point of our greatest need. Now in this passage, Jesus is the one who takes the initiative in serving. Matthew highlights this more than any other gospel. He highlights how Jesus acts. Jesus invites them to share. Jesus blesses. Jesus gives thanks. Jesus offers the cup. He is not a passive participant in this. He is an active, active leader in guiding the disciples to understand what is about to take place in the cross. And he does this through the bread and the drink. We're told that he takes the bread and he, he blesses it and he says, this is my body. And he takes the cup. He gives thanks and he says, drink of it. Now notice, it doesn't specify which cup. It says he took a cup. There's a little bit of an ambiguity here for a reason. You see, in the Passover meal, there were four cups that would be served. Each cup representing something symbolically to get the meaning into the minds of the participants. Upon the screen, you'll see Exodus chapter 6, verses 6 through 7. This shows the root of the four cups that were served. God says, Say therefore to the people of Israel, I am the Lord, and I will bring you out from under the burdens of the Egyptians. That bring you out is the idea of sanctify. The first cup they would have is the cup of sanctification to remember that God brought them out, made them holy, sanctified them. He then says, I will deliver you from slavery to them. Second cup, cup of deliverance. I will deliver you. I will set you free. I will redeem you with an outstretched arm and with great acts of judgment, the cup of redemption. That they were brought out, redeemed, purchased by God. And then in verse 7, I will take you to be my people and I will be your God. And you shall know that I am the Lord your God who has brought you out from under the burdens of the Egyptian. Fourth cup, restoration. These were the four cups that they would have served. Now we're not told which one Jesus referred to. Many think it's the third one, the cup of redemption. But I would submit to you that maybe, just maybe, this is ambig ambiguous. Ambiguous, that's the word. I can't get ambiguous out. Because Jesus is all of these. Is Jesus not our sanctification before God that calls us out from our sinful desires? Is Jesus not our deliverer from death? Is he not our redeemer from the slavery to sin? Is he not our restorer of that which has fallen? And he says that in this cup, this cup and this bread that brings us to the reality of who he is, he is showing us his provision for each of our greatest needs. 
the need to know that we are loved, that we are set free, that we are delivered. You see that he has come to redeem us and this bread is the brokenness of his body paid for the price of our redemption. And to know that because bread is a necessary part of living, it's the sustenance of life. He says to know that his grace is sufficient every day, that his mercies are new every morning, and that where sin may abound, his grace superabounds. Don't forget that, church. In the midst of a world that will tell you if you feel alienated, you just ignore those that are away from you and you fix the problem to come back and to say God's grace is sufficient. When we struggle with our sin and the weight of guilt is bearing down upon us like a massive weight, we are able to say, I cannot lift it, but the power of God and the grace of Jesus Christ can set me free. This brings us back to know our need to rely upon Jesus. A gentleman by the name of Mike Vilhauer set out to go fishing one day. He left early in the morning and as the sun was coming up, he was walking along a path that would lead him to the lake where he was going to fish. As he was walking through the wooded area, he began to hear the sounds of crickets and he thought, man, some fresh bait would be wonderful. So he wandered off the path to try to catch some crickets for fishing. He wandered so far that he got lost. And for the next five days, he kept trying to be found. He lived on if he could find bugs, and if he came across a little puddle, he would drink the water out of it, just trying to survive. He wandered along until he came to kind of a, a rocky place that was bare. And that's when he began to hear the helicopter going overhead and he noticed they were going back and forth so as much as he could he started finding twigs and rocks anything that could stand out he found twigs and pine needles and he spelled out on this rocky outcropping the word help and began waving his arms because he knew that if he were left on his own much longer he would die his only his only help was to call out in humility now, wouldn't we think it's foolish for a man that was in that predicament to say, I don't need help. I've lived five days on my own. I'm doing just fine. We'd say, no, you're not. Look around you. You're eating bugs. How much more foolish it is it for us to think we can save ourselves, to think we can give ourselves life. You see, communion is a reminder that God has provided what we need. And what we need more than anything is life. This is the sweetness. Look at verse 26. Take, eat. This is my body. Now this is my body we believe to be symbolic language. We do not hold to what's called transubstantiation that with some prayer these elements are transformed into the literal body or blood. We believe Jesus is communicating a truth symbolized by the bread. That just as bread is a staple of life, a basic food, it is a necessity, so is belief in his brokenness if we are to have life. When Jesus says, take, eat, this is my body, he is echoing something that is recorded in the Gospel of John. Something that he had said earlier in his ministry. He said, I am the living bread. 
And that's best understood, I believe, by saying, I am the bread that gives life. I am the life-giving bread that came down from heaven. If anyone eats of this bread, he will live forever. And the bread that I will give for the life of the world is my flesh. In other words, what I will give to give life to the world, Jesus says, is his body. I will give this that the world may have life so that in his brokenness we find life. Now that only makes sense when we accept the fact that we are spiritually dead. The Apostle Paul wrote we were dead in our trespasses and sins. It only means something when we realize that we cannot save ourselves. When a person's heart has stopped and they are brought into the hospital, the doctor doesn't step back and say, well, if he wants CPR, he can do it himself. You know why he doesn't do that? A corpse can't do it. If life is to be brought, it will be brought by an external source. So it is with us spiritually. Our good works cannot redeem our souls. Our good works cannot change the state of our hearts before God. Only the power of God can do that as He regenerates us. And He does that by His grace because He paid the price. We pass from death to life because Jesus died on our behalf. Do you remember how I explained that the lamb died to take the place of the firstborn? Jesus died to take our place on the cross. Because of that, we can have a relationship with God. Look at verse 28. For this is my blood of the covenant, which is poured out for many for the forgiveness of sins. He mentions a covenant in connection with his blood. Now, blood is a shorthand way of saying his violent death on the cross. He's saying that his violent death on the cross brings about a covenant. Now, a covenant formalizes a relationship. It establishes and defines it. So blood is now connected with the covenant to show the unending nature of it and the value of that covenant. So when Jesus says, my blood of the covenant, he is teaching that his sacrificial death ratifies, that is, brings into effect the new covenant that God promised in Jeremiah where we are in relationship with him. Now what that means as we come to communion is this. Partaking of communion is a public testimony that you are part of the covenant. It is a testimony by your actions that you have placed your faith in Jesus Christ. To partake of the cup without being in a relationship with Jesus is to deny the meaning of it. It's like saying, well, I'm married, but I've got a date with another person next week. No, you don't. To partake of this is a way of saying, I believe. It's a way of saying I have followed the Lord's command in baptism already and now I am coming to publicly declare in this act that I'm a part of the covenant. 
Now, I know for those with small children, this can be one of those hard times where you're not sure what to do. When the plate with the bread is passed, when the cup is passed, what should I do with my kids? I believe this is a time where you gently but firmly say, if they have not believed and been baptized, to say, not yet. And to use this as a teaching time. So when you get home or you're riding home and they say, well, why, why couldn't I have a piece, why couldn't I have that little square bread? You're able to explain what it means to be in a relationship with God and what the cup means. So we don't hurry through this. We stop to focus on the sustenance and the sweetness to know that He has provided all that we need. I want to ask you to bow your heads with me, if you will.